Blog Talk Radio. Standing by for Tony Donahue, tape segment. Hey, Tony, how are you, sir? Hey, man, how you doing? Good, ready to rock and roll on a Friday, man. (laughs) Glad we're finally getting some rain. So we'll just do the countdown, countdown, jump right into it, and and then I'll edit out at the back, and we'll we'll get it taped. I appreciate you doing this for us, sir. Yeah, no no worries, man. Sorry I can't make it tomorrow, but uh, no worries. Three, two, one. All right, and welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Marquisell, Presidente. It is time to get started on our racing segment this week. Uh, it seems like it's been a long hiatus since we've had Tony Donahue as Tony D. Podcast. It really hadn't been that long. How are you doing, sir? Hey, good. Like you said, uh, off air, glad we got some rain here over the last 24 hours. And uh, <laughs> excited for another pretty exciting weekend coming up when it comes to racing. Oh, yeah, I, you know, absolutely. And you know, my backyard was starting to look like the Grand Canyon, so I'm, the, the rain is, is very, very welcome. Let's talk a little bit about Mid-Ohio, and then we'll get get into some of the action that's going on this weekend and some of the other stuff. And, and IndyCar, great race out at Mid-Ohio, but Penske yet again shows who Penske is, and Scott McGoughlin is the real deal. Uh, let's break down that Mid-Ohio race. I know you were there. It's certainly a fun track to go through. Uh, kind of talk us uh, through the highs and the lows, and you know, at the end of the day, uh, uh, Scott McLaughlin was the one in victory lane. Yeah, six out of nine races here for Team Penske getting victories to start the season. We're about halfway through, a little bit more than halfway through now um, with Mid-Ohio now in, in the books. But uh, it was a good weekend. That's why I couldn't join you last Saturday because practice, of course, started <laughs> right at 10 o'clock. But, um, right. no, it was an exciting weekend. Look, Scott McLaughlin with his second career win is a guy that, that just needs – a little bit more time. I mean, you, you've, you've broken through and gotten your first two wins now. Uh, the problem is, is he's still a sophomore, right? This is his second year. He's coming back to these tracks for the second time. So it takes a while to get that consistency. You know, he won at St. Pete to start the season, almost won at Texas before Joseph Newgarden took that away from him, you know, right at the start-finish line. So uh, Mid-Ohio is a great track. Penske continuing to show why they are the best team out there. But, again, you know, you got to perform at the Indianapolis 500, and that's kind of what's knocked Scott McLaughlin out of the points uh, was was the fact that he had a really bad Indianapolis 500, hasn't really had a good finish since. 
Uh, so he kind of broke out of that slump last week to get the victory. He's not mathematically out of the championship by any stretch of the imagination, but it's going to take a lot of digging and a lot of top threes and even a couple more wins for him to be a championship contender. Uh, but to break that slump and get back for uh, his second win on the season uh, w- was really good for that three team. Well, looking exciting to see what, what's going on. Let's talk a little bit about Connor Daly. Been exciting to watch him. Obviously, local boy from here in Indianapolis. Uh, but really, he's just been, been kind of wasn't really fan of the radar because he's very much on the radar right now. But Connor Daly is having a great year. Uh, certainly, I, I think he's turned the uh, turned the leaves somewhere along the way for him to to get around that bend that seemed to have been haunting him for a while. Uh, Connor Daly, you know, tops. We were testing out in Iowa yesterday and noticed that Connor Daly was in the top seven there in testing. So, you know, something's going on over there with Connor and in, in a carpenter racing. What's uh, What's the secret? What's going on? You know, I think with Connor, you know, people are going, well, he's been with that Carpenter Racing. Yeah, but this is the first time that he's been in that 20 car for every race. You know, the last couple of years, it's been road courses in the 20 and then switching over to the Carlin Racing 59 car where he qualified on his first career pole last year at Iowa. Uh, Iowa's a great track for Ed Carpenter Racing. Guys like Joseph Newgarden, Ed Carpenter, J.R. Hildebrand, Spencer Pickett have all finished on the podium at Iowa in an Ed Carpenter racing car. So, uh, yeah, I, I think for Connor, it's it's just continuing to stay in one car throughout the year, keep that camaraderie within a team. Uh, he's got great backing from Bitnile and, and good sponsorship, knowing that he's going to be back in that car next year as well. Um, but, yeah, it's starting to click. And, and, and look, everybody's going to say, oh, he doesn't have, you know, not a lot of top tens. Top 12s right now in IndyCar are just as good as what top 10s were. You know, we always look at, oh, did he have a top 10? Now with the competition level the way it is and and how many drivers can go out there and finish top 10, top 20 each and every weekend, um, top 12s are certainly an exceptional result. Connors had a few of those. Him and Renas are starting to find their way. Renas had a great uh, race last week at Mid-Ohio. He qualified 11th, which didn't really show the speed of the car because he didn't have a a full lap to go out and – try to get into that top six, and he worked his way up, pitted early, and ended up with the fourth-place finish. So uh, Ed Carpenter Racing, we'll see. Uh, Iowa's going to be great. You're going to have um, three cars there with Ed Carpenter back in the loop, and he, he tested at Iowa yesterday, uh, and we'll see what happens. Connor's been really good on street courses. You've got Toronto and, and Nashville coming up in the next couple of weeks, and you've also got at the end of the month that IndyCar race at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, a place where Connor's qualified very well, He's ran up front. He's had some bad luck handed to him. Um, but that Bit Nile Chevy and also Renus VK's car uh, at the road course at Indianapolis Motor Speedway can never be counted out. I'll tell you what, I, that's another, you know, Renus VK, he, he's just proven himself week in and week in after. I want to ask you a little bit about the Andretti uh, stable. What, what's going on over there? I mean, I guess everybody, you know, has their spats and so forth. But, I mean, you, you saw – all of basically all four of Andretti drivers, you know, you know, scrapping around uh, three top finishes following a, a restart. Rossi, uh, Gorjan, uh, were dueling over the 10th place on lap 59 of 80. And when Grosjean on the Firestone alternates and Rossi said, what's going on? there? they don't seem to be getting the chemistry that needs to be going on or needs to happen, especially with the team, the caliber of the Andretti stable. 
Yeah, I think it's really been boiling. You know, I think it's really been been leading up to this moment, right? This is this didn't just happen over the weekend. This didn't just happen at Mid Ohio. I think there's some animosity within the team from the way that Grosjean has driven, uh, and and the level that he uh, presents himself coming from that Formula One background. I think Alexander Rossi knows that he's gone from the team at the end of the season, uh, so he's really focusing on just his driving style. Uh, Colton Herta has had some really bad luck. Yeah, he had that win at the road course at Indianapolis Motor Speedway in the rain, but he had a really bad Indianapolis 500. Um, he hasn't been able to put together a lot of great races since then. Uh, Devlin DeFrancesco is still learning, still getting a lot of things underneath his belt. But, uh, you know, it's tough. I, I just think that that's been boiling over. We know that Grosjean, it seems like every race somebody's talking about slamming into him or him slamming into somebody else. And uh, it, it, it finally came home when it happened with Rossi. I, I thought both were kind of racing situations uh, and a little bit of overreaction. But when you overreact with those, it means something's been building. And it seems like that's certainly been the case um, at the Andretti stable. And, 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 and we'll see what happens. Everything should be all good. But, but really, Tom, for the future, it doesn't make their bid for Formula One look all that much better when they're going, well, mm-hmm. you can't even really keep your IndyCar teams in line. You know, why should we, uh, you know, expect anything less or more in Formula One? So um, it will be interesting to see what happens at Toronto, uh, which is a track that Andretti's really good at. It's Devlin DeFrancesco's home track. Uh, I think you'll see everything kind of A-OK, uh, but certainly after the race, Michael was pissed. Rossi was pissed. Mm-hmm. Grosjean, wa- Grosjean walked right past me with his helmet on. You could tell he was upset, didn't want to talk to anybody, um, and they called for that meeting. So, um, you know, probably a good thing that they have a week off. They can kind of spread out between each other. You know, Devin lives down in Miami. Grosjean lives down in Miami. Rossi lives here in Indy. Colton lives out in California. So, uh, you know, these guys are kind of spread out. They might not have the team chemistry as some of the other teams, like Penske, who all live in Charlotte, or even the Ganassi guys, who all live here in Indianapolis. So uh, we'll see. I think all will be okay. Um, you know, mm-hmm. but, but if you're Rossi, you're upset. You haven't won a race since 2018. Grosjean's fighting and trying to get to the top step of the podium for the first time in his IndyCar career. Um, so the results just really haven't been there, and sometimes those tensions boil over. Well, Colton Hurd is the only driver, I believe, out of the Andretti's to, to get a win this year. So you got to think that Michael's got to rein it in a little bit and say, hey, you know, we, we, we're a team. we got to be a team. We gotta, we're going up to Toronto. Uh, this thing isn't over yet, but, you know, we, you got to think that if they can't get it together, there's something going on there. I don't know, some kind of mutiny or, or something's going on there. But, uh, but uh, you know, Colton Hurd is coming out smelling like a rose with all of this. Well, I, I, I know we weren't privy to the conversation in the in the meeting, but, I mean, do you think uh, desks were being flipped or do you think this was just a calm meeting that said, hey, knock it off kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, it's an emotional sport, right? And, and, and you do that right after a race where things didn't go well for you, and things really haven't gone well for your team since Colton won that race back in May at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And, and even with that, it wasn't the greatest day for the, for the rest of the team. Rossi has been very consistent since that road course race. He's finished inside the top seven. He had that podium at Road America, uh, a race that, you know, when you start up front, you think he's got a chance to win, didn't quite get it done, but – um, you know, just tough. I, I, I think if you're Michael, you, 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 you got the point across and said, look, you know, not only representing yourself, you're representing our sponsors, you're representing me, you're representing this entire team. We got we to gotta be better as a team for the remainder of the year, no matter 
no matter who's going where at the end of next year. Yes, we know Kyle Kirkwood's coming in. Rossi's going over to Aaron McLaren. But we need to finish out these eight races, um, be as upbeat as possible, and try to get these results and try to get a couple more wins. So um, I don't think there was death thrown, but I certainly think that there was a very stern talking to to all four of the Andretti drivers. Well, that's good. You, may, you, you wonder if in situations like that, you, you think that maybe you, they, they, they bring in Mario just as kind of a motivational speaker type thing, not more of a disciplinary thing. But, you know, like when Mario walks in the room, everybody listens. You, you think that's kind of uh, – he kind of took that kind of role? Well, I think Michael commands that same respect too, right? I think when Michael walks in, he's done enough over his career being a champion uh, – twice and and having wins at almost every track that these drivers go to um you know mario it's funny because i did an interview with him on saturday where we opened up some trading cards you can check that out on my twitter at tony dnd and at burnout sports on twitter uh but i think mario just tell her look boys you know we're a team you're not going to win without being a team so let's all just try to gel together so it'll be interesting to see what happens coming up over the next couple of weeks you go to toronto uh, you go to Iowa for a doubleheader where Andretti's actually been pretty good at, uh, and, and we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, do I think Rossi and Grosjean like each other? No. Um, but they needed to just like each other for a couple more months before Rossi uh, steps out of that door and heads over to Aaron McLaren. Yeah, absolutely. I was I was just thinking about that uh, myself, and that's that's pretty much a, a deal. Uh, let's talk a little bit. As you mentioned, they're off a week, and then they they head up to the Can- uh, across the border into Canada of Toronto Street Course, going through the uh, the streets of downtown Toronto. Talk with us a little bit about that course. You know, you've got your road courses, your ovals, and your street courses, and street courses provide a a different type of challenge, if you will, because it's it's a, a, every other day of the week it's a regular driven street like you know like downtown Indianapolis whatever so that provides some challenges as far as for the track goes and and upkeep of, of the track so what kind of challenges are the teams looking at as they face Toronto on on the uh, the street course yeah Tom I mean that's exactly right the, the biggest challenge with any street course especially in the northern part of this continent including Detroit, is the fact that, yeah, this is a regular street throughout the rest of the year, and in the winter it's getting ran over by snow plows and potholes. So where there might not have been a bump three years ago or Mm -hmm. a crack in the road that you feel, now you feel that. So um, they haven't raced at Toronto since 2019. Obviously it gets postponed because of the pandemic in 2020. And then last year, as far as green cards go and not being able to travel to and from Canada – uh, so this is the first time they've been there in three years. It'll be interesting to see um, if the guys that we know that have experience at Toronto will kind of reign supreme, right? So you're looking at Scott Dixon, who's ran numerous times there. You're, you, you're talking about um, some of the veteran guys in Will Power, Joseph Newgarden. Because if you look at it, Marcus Erickson has only ran there once. Alex Pillow has never ran there. Colton Hurd has only ran there once. You know, so the, some of these guys that, that are battling, Pato Award has never driven there. I don't believe Felix, I think Felix Rosenquist has driven there once. So you're looking at a lot, a lot of drivers that have only been there one time that are competing for this championship and competing for wins in Polo and Erickson, Colton Herta, um, you know, among others. So it'll be interesting to see if the veterans take to it quicker because they've been there. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's a veteran weekend with guys like Will Power and Scott Dixon 
Joseph Newgarden, uh, who have raced there several times. I think they'll have, I think they'll certainly have the advantage uh, going to Toronto over some of these guys that are going there for either the first or the second time. Well, certainly if Will Power finds a way to, to win in Toronto, that could do nothing but help his causes in the championship points as he sits in second mm-hmm. now. And, of course, followed by, by Joseph Newgarden and uh, Alex Pillow, Pottle Award, Scott Dixon, uh, Scott McLaughlin, Alexander Rossi, uh, Simon Padishon, and Colton Hurd all round out the top ten as we look at the championship. Now, any, anybody you think is going to come out of that pack? Or do, do we see, you know, like a Rain SVK, or do we see – a Connor Daly or a Graham. Well, I don't, I'm not so, so sure about Graham Rahal, but do we see any of those maybe coming out of the dust to make a run for the championship? You know, I think Will Power is your odds-on favorite right now. This guy's been super consistent all year. He's won races. Uh, you know that he'll be good on every road and street course that they go to the remaining of the year. Uh, you know, you look at Power's numbers with Team Penske. It's incredible. He's one of the longest tenured drivers for IndyCar, mm-hmm. for Team Penske, in the history of that amazing organization. Um, he's, what, one win away from being third on the all-time list. He's the all-time pole sitter record. Um, you know, he's been with Penske since 2009, where he ran a couple races, and obviously full-time in 2010. So it's just it's incredible to kind of look back at what Will Power has been able to do over his career. And here he is, probably in his second-to-last season with his contract being up next year, being Mr. Consistent. Now, on the flip side of that, I will give you Scott Dixon. I know that's very easy to say, oh, yeah, Scott Dixon, of course, you know, he's one of the greatest drivers of all time. Everybody looks at Scott Dixon, where I believe he's currently, what, sixth in the points, hasn't won so far this year. He's had a couple podiums. Here's the thing with Scott Dixon. He's got more top tens than anybody else this season with nine. He had another one last week in mid-Ohio. Here's the thing with Dixon. If you take away – that terrible finish at the Indianapolis 500, which he probably should have won or bare minimum finished third. If he doesn't have that pit road speeding penalty, he either wins the race or finishes top three and is probably currently the points leader. And when you have double points at the Indianapolis 500, mm-hmm. you have to finish, um, you know, well at the 500. If you look at the last couple champions that went on to win the championship, they all had good results, top sevens at the Indianapolis 500. Um, Erickson's interesting. You know, he's got a 7.4 average this year for a finish. Uh, I, I think if you're going to win the championship, you're only going to be allowed two bad results. Uh, Erickson has had one bad result, and it wasn't even all that terrible. Um, but Erickson's good at – he'll be good at Toronto because he's great on street courses. Iowa will be a, will be a challenge for him, but he's got enough experience on the Indianapolis road course. He obviously won Nashville last year. He's made a lot of improvements to be able to compete at Gateway. Um, I think it's going to be Erickson down on the wire with Will Power, but if Scott Dixon can get hot, which I think that he can over the next several weeks, watch for Dixon to maybe start leapfrogging some guys and be right in that championship conversation the last race of the year. Well, they don't call him the Iceman for nothing. We're talking with Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast uh, and uh, BurnoutSports.com, uh, talking some IndyCar uh, with us, uh, catching up with us on a Friday afternoon. Uh, and, and not joining this live, but that's that's completely completely okay. We appreciate you, you joining us, Tony. Uh, real quick, so I have you put on your NASCAR uh, hat for just a moment. I know Steve is out in the Grand Canyon. He said he's he's going to try to call, call him uh, but uh, or later today, depending on how, how you want to word this with the with the taping of it. But uh, it, service it may or may not happen. So let's you know let's talk a little bit about what we're we're seeing in NASCAR. We certainly had some. A great action on the NASCAR races 
uh, race uh, last week out at uh, Road America, and we had some really good action uh, in, in a lot of fun races to watch with NASCAR. What, can you recap NASCAR from last weekend? What are your thoughts? You know, I just think that what, what NASCAR is doing a really good job of right now is being at the forefront of new drivers winning. The cars are about as similar as they've ever been, um, which leads to better competition, which is what NASCAR needed. I mean, Tom, you and I used to talk three, four years ago on this show. Who's going to win the NASCAR race? Probably either Kyle Busch, Brad Keselowski, or Kevin Harvick. And and usually uh, maybe Denny Hamlin would be thrown in there as well. Um, But now you've got Tyler Reddick, Ross Chastain, Daniel Suarez, Chase Briscoe. You've got some new names atop of the standings. Um, You know, Ryan Blaney's right there always. Austin Sendrick won his first career race and winning the Daytona 500 this year. Um, You know, so NASCAR's done a really good job of of kind of bringing that competition level back. It has a lot to do with the new car and everybody getting, getting used to that new car. So um, kudos to them. And we saw another new winner last week in Tyler Reddick out at uh, Road America. Yeah, that was a great race. And I, I tell you what, a lot of times in those road courses, you, you you don't see a lot of action as far as wrecks and as far as that sort. But not the case this year up at, at Road America. You know, it's also good to see some of uh, the action with the truck. A lot of, you know, a couple of years ago, you really you were lucky to see one truck race a year. And I like how they've mixed things up. It, it took a little getting used to at first. Where one week we may not have Xfinity and one week we may not have the Cup Series, uh, but we do have the Truck Series. And, and, and this week is a little bit different as well as, as uh, NASCAR heads back to Atlanta for its first time, uh, for the first visit at Atlanta, I guess. Uh, with NASCAR, but then the the truck series are at, at Mid-Ohio, and uh, that should be a fun race to watch. Of course, you were just out there uh, last week. Talk with us a little bit about the trucks on Mid-Ohio, at Mid-Ohio. Yeah, and I know it rained uh, on practice on Friday, and it's always interesting to see those guys get out there and beating and banging all over the place, especially when it's raining. Mid-Ohio is a great track. The keyhole, uh, I think if you watch this race, coming up later on, the, the keyhole is going to be a place to watch because that's a fast turn, but you're going to have the brake going in. You start bumping, beating, and banging around. Uh, we're going to see some trucks turning some other trucks around. Um, so looking forward to that. And, um, you know, I just, you're right, NASCAR has done a really good job of going to different racetracks, switching things up. And we'll see that again here in a couple of weeks because you'll get the, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course with, with the Xfinity and the the Cub Series, but then, you know, down the road, you'll see uh, the truck and ARCA guys do a double header over there at, at IRP on the short track. So uh, they're doing a great job of going back to different places that they haven't been to or spicing it up. That includes Road America. That includes Mid-Ohio. Um, and, and, and that's what makes, I think, exciting races for NASCAR is a lot of road courses. Um, because, as you know, Tom, road courses – these cars and these cars or trucks end up looking like they just ran at a short track or a super speedway because they're all yeah. you got fenders beaten in and you got you got blown tires and and door panels with with donuts on them. So uh, yeah, it just makes it more thrilling, a little bit more interesting for the casual fan to watch as far as far as getting away from those cookie cutting, boring type tracks that we saw like Texas, like Atlanta, like Charlotte, like Kansas, like uh, some of those tracks that are just kind of the same week right. in a week out. You know, real quickly, we'll wrap it up and put a bow on it here. You know, a lot of me and myself, including Melissa, we, we've come to, to like Noah Grayson and thought, you know, he's kind of a, a good kid. He's, uh, 
he's, he's, he's well accepted by the fans. He's very polite. And now we see a different side of Noah Gregson. You know, this past week at the Xfinity race, you get, you get, you get fined $35,000 and deducted 30 points for his driver's points tally for the rough driving. And he caused total melee. Uh, and he played a key role in that 13-car crash uh, during the race where his uh, number nine JR Motorsports Chevrolet hit the Al- uh, Alpha uh, Prime sorry, racing entry of Sage Karam. Sage Karam was just like, I don't know what happened here. I, I, I was listening to him on the radio because I don't know what happened because we know him from IndyCar. And it, it, it was kind of in, thought to be a retaliatory move. But at the end of the day, there were 13 cars in a total melee, and uh, Noah Gregson is, is found to be a key instrumental part of that. you got to wonder if, if Dale is, is pulled him aside and said, that was totally out of line. Or, you know, Dale was a pretty aggressive racer himself. Is he patting him on the back? He says, you know, that's racing. That's what happens. How do you think Dale handled this? Are we seeing a different side of, of Noah? Are we seeing the Tony Stewart of, of Noah? <laughs> You know, I, I think with Noah, we've always known that he was aggressive. We've always known that he was going to make some moves that were controversial. And, and people get pissed at Ty Gibbs because he makes moves too. But, you know, I mean, road courses, you want to do well, especially these NASCAR guys. They want to be showing up by a guy who's coming over from IndyCar. Um, so, so, you know, it, it probably pisses you off if somebody like Sage Karam, who you don't race with every weekend, isn't giving you as much space as as you would command or respect from other drivers that you do race with every weekend. Um, but man, I, I, I just, I just look at it this way. I mean, you know, that's kind of what NASCAR's wanted the, the gloves off, go at it boys. And, um, you know, we did see Noah selling some things on his Instagram and his Twitter over the weekend, uh, to pay for that $35,000 fine. So I'm sure Dale Jr. said, Look, <laughs> we love that you're aggressive. We love that you go for it and you have no fear but let's just try to control that a little bit more so we're not wrecking race cars and tearing up equipment uh, and pissing people off in the future. That a guy like Sage Karam, he's, he's, a, he's a tough guy, right? And if he comes back at the Indianapolis Road Course and remembers, oh, that guy dumped me, when all of a sudden Sage has nothing to, nothing to go for except for a race win, you know, he might get a little retaliation, and that could hurt Noah when it comes to the season-long championship. So. Uh, yeah, you just got to be careful with some of those things and and, uh, and and see how it plays out. But, you know, if I'm Dale Jr., I'm saying, look, we love that you're aggressive. We love that you're a guy that's going to go for it. But, but let's just uh, let's just kind of hone it back just a little bit. Tony Donahue of BurnoutSports.com and uh, the Tony D Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir? Yep, Burnout Sports, BurnoutSports.com, Tony D&D on Twitter. Tom, have a, rest of, have a great rest of your weekend. Okay, thanks, Tony. We'll see you. Bye-bye.